This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Okay, so uh, welcome back to the Talking Hockey Podcast, episode 57. We have uh, Eric and Martin here and uh, a really special guest, uh, Brant Myers. He's the author of Painkiller, a memoir of big league addiction. It's a book that uh, Brant sent me uh, about a week ago now. Had a chance to read through a couple chapters and it's by far one of the most interesting books I've ever read. And honestly, it's very hard to put down just because of the stories that he tells and just the insanity of the life that <laughs> Brant that you've lived. So uh, thank you so much for joining the podcast. Welcome. Thanks guys, I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. So first off, I just wanted to uh, maybe start off with the story behind the book as in like, how did you how did you come up with the idea of writing it? What was the story around kind of starting it and writing a book? Because you were an NHL player. You weren't, you know, you weren't an author. You didn't go to journalism school. You didn't. Yeah. So <laughs> how did this come to be, so to speak? Welcome back, everyone, to the Talking Hockey Podcast. It's your favorite producer, Luke, here to remind you to follow and subscribe on whatever streaming service you use. Leave a review on Apple, visit our website, TalkingHockeyPodcast.com, and follow us on Instagram at TalkingHockey for daily content. Now, let's get into today's episode with your favorite group of guys, Luke, Eric, Ty, and Martin. Yeah, I mean, I, I never... You know, I, again, my schooling, I believe I, I did finish grade nine. Um, but that was a couple of classes I think I took in grade 10, but, um, I never really pictured it. I, I guess I, it happened in my, uh, fifth treatment center. Um, when I really decided to dig in and, and, and change my life, um, I just started to write about, I guess, the earliest memories that I had. Um, I also was wanting to write a proposal to the National Hockey League and the NHLPA uh, to be like a sober liaison for for the league or for the team. And then I just sort of go, hmm, you know, I don't know, I had 50 pages or something like that. And then I just kept writing. And then I got hired by the uh, Los Angeles Kings in 2015. And um, I put it on the shelf. I just I stopped writing. <clears throat> and then uh, when that job ended in 2018 is when I uh, picked it up again and finished it. Everyone in the audience for context, right? So Brand wrote this book based off of, you know, his life story. He was in the NHL for a number of years. I think one thing you mentioned in the book was that you were the only player to ever get permanently suspended <laughs> from, the, uh, from the NHL, which was some type of record, I think. Was it Mark Ribeiro that almost got suspended from the league as well? But it's a unique uh, accomplishment, <laughs> accomplishment, I guess you could say. Yeah, um, it's not one. You were, uh, it's not one that yeah. I, that I necessarily uh, planned on getting, but 
Yeah. <laughs> and so, and in your career, you were, you know, you, you were more of a goon type player, you know, the, the classic, you know, going into fights, you, you were moving across the league for years. And the main, you know, crux, the core of this book is talking about the addiction issues that you faced. And it was all these, it was cocaine, it was uh, alcohol, it was uh, various other, I think the gambling addiction and as well no, uh no gambling. no gambling no gambling okay so uh, maybe I, I i don't know why I, I thought of it like that but yeah gam uh for uh alcohol and uh cocaine specifically you were going around the league you got suspended multiple times for multiple different <laughs> reasons so just the audience has a kind of uh background stories so you started out writing the book when you were in your you, did you mention your fifth stint in rehab was it yeah my fifth, yeah. Yeah, so your fifth stint in rehab. And now you work with the LA Kings. You worked with them until 2018. What were you doing with them to kind of help address the the issues with regards to addiction, with painkillers? Like, what was your uh, what was your purpose there? Um, well, <clears throat> the Kings had some issues in 2000, I believe, 15, with uh, a few players that got arrested. And then... Mm -hmm. um, Dean Lombardi was my old general manager and Daryl Sutter, my old coach, and they were both in LA and they felt that they wanted to bring in a support role. So I can't get into too much about what I did with the team. Yeah, of course. Um, or what I did with certain players, but uh, I was just basically a, I guess you could say, a, a, an additional support system for any players that were going through any type of addiction issues. Yeah, an awesome. And do do you currently do anything working with the NHL right now with regards to the same types of issues? No, nothing. Nothing. nothing oh, okay. at all, no. And and so, what kind of? Because I think a big story that came out recently from TSN was talking about the idea of pain addiction or painkiller addiction. Uh, I'm not sure if you had a chance to watch that documentary. I mentioned it on the phone when we uh, briefly talked the other day, and it was a huge story that came out, generated a lot of you know discussions around not just the NHL but with fans about the way players, you know, kind of put put themselves through all this pain to get to the playoffs, to go through the playoffs, and how addictions form out of that. So, do you have any kind of you know stories there or for how how to address those kind of issues and what your best learnings were from your time in the NHL going through those same types of pains that other players are going through now and what you learned from that? Mm, I, I did watch that piece. Um, again, when I played, you know, the title of the book is painkiller, but it's not related to opiates. Um, yeah. There's, that's why we separated them from mm -hmm. there's pain and that, from, there was just a lot of pain and struggle in the book. Um, and then Killer, almost, I was sort of turned into some type of a, a person that was trying to uh, inflict pain on people from a young age. Yeah. Um, hmm. But my, my drug of choice was cocaine. Um, and so for me, my healing mechanism was alcohol. Like that to me was... I guess just would be just as good as, uh, you know, some strong painkillers. Um, but as far as what I watched on the television, it doesn't surprise me. I don't think that anybody 
that is uh, making millions of dollars playing a sport that they love um, would go through anything to keep it going. I, I think that probably in any walk of life, if somebody's going to pay $50,000 every two weeks, um, yeah. you know, like you're going to find ways to, <laughs> to keep your role going. So I, I don't yeah, think for sure. Yeah, definitely. And, and do you think that it's because I don't think, and, may, and maybe I'm wrong on this, but other sports aren't exactly like the NHL in terms of injuries, right? Like you see it in the NBA, like, you know, hockey fans compare it all the time. They talk about, you know, hockey players are so tough and NBA players aren't. I don't think that's necessarily true, but that's the narrative. And, you know, when NBA players are injured, a lot of the time they will go out. Whereas we hear all these stories after the playoffs of, you know, this guy played on a broken ankle, broken foot, broken ribs, broken everything. Uh, suddenly when they go, when they get out of the playoffs, right? So what what do you think about the culture of the NHL when it comes to how they deal with injuries and playing through it? Like, do you, do you, well, it's, it's it's a tough question to ask. I know, but it's, but it's also it's also changed a lot since I played. Like mm-hmm. I can only comment on up until two thousand and five, which was sixteen years ago in the league. So a lot of stuff mm-hmm. is a lot of stuff has changed in the league. Um, I'm not up to I'm not up to par with what their their current system is. Again, I didn't work for the National Hockey League or the union, so. I was sort of just, uh, you know, we had our own thing going on in Los Angeles. Um, But as far as today's, I I just don't have enough info on it. Yeah, for sure. And uh, Martin, did you raise your hand? Oh, no. (laughs) You usually raise your hand. But uh, so with regards to, so you you talked about this other thing, which is, you know, the the title of the book's Painkillers and, it wasn't just, it wasn't necessarily about opioids. It was about, you know, how you dealt with your own pain in your own life, right? So I think one of the things I kind of wanted to talk about was how do you approach mental health and what what advice do you give to other people when it comes to alcohol addiction, drug addiction, um, and kind of you know, dealing with their own types of their own emotional states or mental states, right? Because that's that obviously that's a major part of the book as well. Yeah, the book's about the book's really about I think um, changing when change doesn't seem possible. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people say that they see light at the end of the tunnel. Well, I saw a Mack truck. I didn't. I didn't see any light. And I think that what I tried to get across in the book is that um, no matter if you do see that that Mack truck coming, if you put the work in, eventually that Mack truck's going to take a left hand or a right hand turn, and it's going to miss you. But you mm-hmm. have to do. But you have to do the work. You have to stop pointing the finger and blaming other people, which addicts do regularly they start saying that it's so-and-so's fault and -and so-and-so's fault but really i had to start 
pointing the finger at Brant Myers and going, it's actually your fault. And what are you going to do about it? And it's no different than anybody that wants to um, change their life in a positive way from, like, you know, going vegan or, or, or losing weight. I mean, um, try losing 30 pounds when you've been trying to lose weight for 10 years and you can't do it. It feels yeah. impossible. But there's always that first step. And uh, so, so hopefully... My- and how do, you, how do you make that first step? Like what, you know, because it, it, it's easy to, for me, the, the reason I'm asking is because there's always people that are like, you know, I want to make this change in my life. I want to be the person that works out every day. I want to be the person that doesn't procrastinate. I want to be the person that does this, right? But it's hard to make that shift in your mind from something you're entirely used to, which in your case was, you know, alcohol as an example, and then going, no, like I need to take responsibility for this. But how do you, how do you actually go about that? And how do you structure your life around that to make those types of changes? Well, your goals have to be very short, short term and achievable. You can't, you you can't Mm -hmm. go like for me, I had to look at it. I had to, you know, my, my goals were within a 12 to 14 hour period. I couldn't look at, wow. Okay. I couldn't look at tomorrow. I, I, I couldn't do that. Um, when I wanted to lose weight, when I went into treatment, I decided that I know Brant Myers. I know Brant Myers isn't going to work out every day. I'd like to, I'd like to think I will, <laughs> but I won't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what is achievable? Well, how about every second day? Can you do that? So I did that and it worked and I, and I worked out every second day. Uh, I took the next day off and did nothing. But then the next day yeah. I said, it's time to work out. So I was setting goals for myself that were achievable. If you set goals mm-hmm. for yourself that aren't, you're going to get really frustrated really quick. And then you're going to throw the towel on again and say, well, I just fucked that up again. Yeah. And so, but you, you made it to the NHL. Like you, like there's very few guys that can make it into the NHL. You're, you were a part of the top one of the 1% when it came to athletes that play hockey. Right. So you must've had like a lot of the bad habits that you formed, you mentioned, right? Like you finished grade nine in high school. A lot of these habits that you started, started when you were young. Right. So how, what was it do you think that got you to the NHL in the first place? And what was it the, some of your habits that you were doing or, or was everything just brand new after like, what, what was your process like to get to the NHL in the first place? Well, it's one that's hard to explain because it, it, (laughs) there was so many twists and turns and there was so much uh, and blood and sweat and tears that went into it, you know, like, to play a, a game or a shift in the National Hockey League is uh, that's very very hard to do, and yeah. um, mm-hmm. not only do you have to be gifted um, from God or the heavens with natural talent, but you got to get lucky. Yeah, um, you got to dodge. You got to dodge injuries, like serious injuries um, along the way. Uh, things just have to sort of line up for you. And then when you get your chance, mm-hmm. you got to take advantage of it. So I think I was fortunate that I, I love the game. I loved it. So me working hard at hockey was 
it wasn't that it was not hard for me to do yeah because you were you were very sorry mine go when did your uh addiction problems start like how like in juniors or when you made the nhl like made the ahl when did that sort of uh i would say it really ramped up when i got traded back to Lethbridge in Alberta, playing for the Hurricanes in 17. Um, that's when it really picked up where it was heavy drinking at 17. Like, were you, like, don't answer if you want, were you like, was it like parties or like became beyond parties for you at some point, like where you were drinking on your own? When- no, never drinking on my own. Always, okay. Always okay. parties. Okay. Yeah, okay. in in the book, it's always just, just parties and parties and parties, like, and going in the club. And I think there okay. there's a story in there about how uh, you had a contract with the Sharks for one point five million dollars, and uh, I guess one of the executives for the Sharks, their wives was at the bar, and your contract was dependent on your sobriety. And you ended up ordering like 30 drinks or something, like something crazy. Yeah, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it's probably, yeah. probably not the best time to uh, <laughs> to be drinking. But it was just 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 bizarre, Martin. I'm uh, you need to get this book, man. <laughs> you, this is like your this is your book. Like I'm, you, I promise you, but um, it's a. Uh, yeah, so you you have a lot of crazy stories like that. Like you you were moving around the league constantly. The Lightning, I think you talked a little bit about uh, the Bruins and how um, you didn't really like was the situation was that you didn't really like it there or that you didn't have like a connection with the with the team. Well, no. What it was was they called me up to play one game. Um, I thought I didn't know it was going to be one game. Uh, mm-hmm. against Buffalo and I went out there and did my job and grabbed a couple guys and uh, the way they sent me you got down 31 pims yeah <laughs> yeah and that, so I thought I you know I thought I was doing my job and, uh, the, it was the way that I got the way that I got sent down after the game that uh, that didn't sit too well with me yeah. So, so, what's your take on fighting in the NHL right now? You have a very unique perspective. Uh, you know, you, that was your your life in the NHL. Martin, how many pins did he have over the course of his career? Were you on his? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> were you on his uh, hockey DB page? In 154 NHL games, he has 687 pins. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Average. But that's uh, not. Six. That's yep. not doing his totals from the the IHL or the AHL in what one year that? he had 213 in the IHL <laughs> at one point yeah but, um, but some crazy junior numbers too juniors are yeah the juniors are really crazy. <laughs> but um you know what we had um we had more fights in the NHL when I played in a week than they'll have all year this year. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for so sure. And do you think fighting, that's a good thing for fighting. the league or a bad thing for the league? For the league? 
Or I guess for the players too, right? Uh, you can look at it in mon- well, multiple dimensions. Yeah. I mean, from an entertainment value, it would be like going to an MMA fight and them not fighting. <laughs> I mean, um, you know, I just remember the energy in that in those arenas on a mm-hmm. Saturday or Friday night when we play Philly or Boston or Montreal or somebody. Um, anybody, actually. And the amount of energy that was in that building after not only I fought or a couple other guys were sticking up for our teammates fought. I haven't heard a building. I haven't heard a building like that since then. Like Mm -hmm. it's, there's a difference in the roar of the crowd between a goal and a big fight. Yeah. You can feel feel it. Yeah. It's, it's not (laughs) even close to the same thing, right? Like you, you have two, you have two guys going at it. Yeah. No, nobody, (laughs) everyone in the stands is up on their feet. Yeah. They're, yeah, they're, so it's, it's, but the rules have, have made it that way for these guys. It's not Mm -hmm. their fault. I mean, they're, they're coming into the league wearing visors now. There's no way I could have done my job wearing a visor. And do you think that, so like what, with regards to fighting, like that was like a huge part of your, that was your, a large part of your game, obviously in the NHL, in the AHL, in your hockey career. Did you enjoy fighting? Was it something like at the time, because there were stories about at the time where you were like, you were angry a lot of the time. So it was like fighting was a way to, it seemed to me anyways, that that was a way for you to kind of let it all out, so to speak, right? So at the time, did you enjoy it, enjoy the fighting? And then now looking back at it, do you think it was something that you, that you were still like, yeah, I'm happy to have been doing that at the time? Well, no, I think like in the book, I, I give a really detailed view of what I thought of fighting. It's it had nothing to do with liking it, and yeah, okay. So th- that that has to do with fighting. So before, I'm just thinking. So with regards to, so we talked a little bit about um, how for someone to change, you they had to they they need to like take responsibility. They need to you know take it upon themselves to make those changes, make those small changes. For you, what were the small changes that you made in your life that had a really big big impact? And you also talk about uh, the kid that you had and how that also kind of helped drive you towards, um, you know, being a, a better father, a better person in general. And so do you mind just telling us a little bit about that process and about, you know, that situation as well? I feel like that was a very, that's a very powerful part of the uh, mm-hmm. book. Yeah, I mean, Chloe was... Chloe was born a week uh, after I got sober, um, and uh, so it really didn't, you know, I just, I wanted to be there for her. Um, I didn't want her to have, to see her dad loaded and be unreliable. I mean, when you're an addict or an alcoholic, you're an unreliable person, and you're a liar, and I didn't want to be that. I didn't want to be that in her eyes. So it's as simple as that. Yeah. And so she was obviously a major change in your life at that point. And so like, do you think that 
does that and do you think that same impact do you think that other you know people similar people in your situation do you think that 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 sort of thing would also have an impact in their life like do you think that's something that comes naturally to all fathers or do you think that's kind of you know it's a more unique situation i'm sure you've talked to a lot of people in similar in similar situations uh that that you were in right yeah like like you know you guys i don't think you have children but um when you, a little a little young for that right now. Yeah, it's, I mean, <laughs> when when you guys do, you'll understand what I'm talking about. It's there. Yep. There becomes somebody on the on 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 the planet that that you'll you'll literally die for in a fight. Mm-hmm. There's there's not many people on Earth that I can say that about. So when you have that type of love for somebody, um. It's just inherited inherited as a parent, I guess. Yeah. And so what and what's what's your plan now, right? Like you've released this book, you're going all over the place doing interviews. I think it's a best bestseller in Canada, I believe it is. You probably have the stats because <laughs> <laughs> you wrote it. It's a bestseller multiple places, definitely for sports books. I yeah. don't know about it in general. Mm-hmm. But uh so what's the plan what's the plan now? What's the what's the future hold for Brant Myers? Uh, the future will be as soon as I get off this call, I'm going to put on my workout gear and then I'm going <laughs> I'm to run the stairs in my house um, because the gyms are all closed. So I'm going to, I'm going to run the stairs. I'm going to do some push-ups and sit-ups. I'm going to stretch and then I'm going to uh, have a shower and have some tea and go to bed. I mean, I, <laughs> I really don't like I said, man, I don't, I don't think about tomorrow. I have to stay in the moment today. And things, yeah. things seem to just work out, you know, when I do that. It's <laughs> 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 that's, that's, that's a, a nice, peaceful way to live life, I guess. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, and so, and so one last like thing I kind of wanted to talk about. So, you know, I do have someone close in my family who's also an alcoholic. And one thing he talks about constantly is that, you know, it doesn't matter if you're one year sober, if you're two years sober, if you're 10 years sober, it you're, you're still an alcoholic. It's still tempting and it's constantly, you know, controlling yourself is how do you, how do you deal with that type of like, how do you deal with that type of stress? How do you, you know, how do you, do you take it? You're, you just said you take it one day at a time, right? But what are your strategies around staying that way? And, you know, <clears throat> Yeah, I I tend to have I stay close with some sober friends, and so we have mm-hmm. the same interests when it comes to life. You know, um, they get they get me, and I get them. And I think it's crucial that you have people in your life that you surround yourself with that have the same interests as you. Mm-hmm. I couldn't be hanging out with my old cocaine dealer and, and thinking that <laughs> that's a good move. No, no, because uh, well, and you mentioned something you know, really important. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, and you mentioned something really important it's about having a group with you. And in the book, you talked about how a lot of pe- you ruined a lot of the relationships you did have, right? Because all the constant issues that you were having. I think you even I think there was something about you uh, 
you getting kicked out of your neighborhood or your house because they your neighbors didn't, didn't like you. Uh, probably too much partying yeah. going on for their taste. Uh, yeah. So how did you get this group of people around you that help keep you on the right path? Where did they come from? Who are these people? Are they other NHLers? Like what, what, what is it? No, no, they're just, they're just friends in Los Angeles that I've got probably 10 of them that I'm close with. And Mm -hmm. I've I've been close with them for 13 years. Those are, those are my, that's in the book. I talk about my tribe and that's those guys in my tribe. They know who they are. Yeah. And, and those people were with you from the second that you decided to go get sober or even before that, what was, what was the relationship before that? Well, there, there was a few of them. Um, but for the most part, after I got sober, um, I would meet them, uh, through other sober friends and we just became buddies and, mm-hmm. and I sort of just stayed in contact with them for over a decade now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so last thing, I promise, I keep saying last one and then I think of something else, but uh, do you have any advice for, we do have a a lot of our listeners, they're much younger, they're probably in the 15 to 20 year old, 21 year old Mm. range, I think that's like 80%. Mm. And they're all looking to, a lot of them are looking to become writers, a lot of them are looking to, you know, work in the NHL in some capacity. A lot of them are young athletes, people in the OHL, um, even a little bit earlier than that. Um, So what kind of advice do you have for all those various groups of people when it comes to not just their careers, but also their lives in general and staying on the right path? Do you have any last last thoughts on that before before we let you go? Yeah. um, If they look up the definition of karma... um, (laughs) And they live by that, they'll be fine. They'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah. Really. I like that. Yeah. I like that. That's a really good piece of advice. Well, Brant, thank you so much for uh, for joining the the podcast. I really appreciate this. I I'm glad uh you and Morgan got connected. She's been a huge help to us as well. But uh, thank you so much for uh, joining. We really appreciate thank it. Thank you. That was All cool. Right. Take care, Brant. It's been re- it's been great, man. Did you want to? finish off with um nhl recent nhl news or do you want to just should we just leave it at this uh we can talk about nhl news okay what nhl news i haven't <laughs> i don't know what's going on there's a, Luke, there was a huge trade out. today oh yeah there's a huge so trade what was, today. what was what was the trade uh i'm not a hundred percent Sure, on what was the return for Paul Mary and Zajac? Oh yeah, okay, wait, I'm I'm looking it up right now. Um, so the Islanders got Paul Mary and Zajac, which is pretty fucking big. Yeah, that's a huge for, move for the Islanders for for prospect uh, for first round pick and AJ Greer, Mason Jopes. Okay, so um, no relevant prospects really. I don't think AJ. Uh, uh, this year, first round pick and a conditional 2022 fourth round pick. <laughs> I always wonder, mm-hmm. like, what 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 was the argument around the conditional picks? <laughs> yeah. <that's, laughs> no, that's we weird. want a third. <laughs> we want a fifth. 
Like why a fourth? It's probably it's probably it's probably a third. It probably turns into a third. What's the conditions if the Islanders make the playoffs or something? I don't know. Uh, it's probably make a certain round of the playoffs. No, that that makes because the Islanders lost Anders Lee, I think, for five weeks. Was it? So I'm not sure. The rest he's... of the year. Oh, it is. It's done. Done. Th- like he's done. I, th- I think. I think he was done. Not 100 yeah. percent sure on that. Well, Kyle Palmieri is huge for that Barzell line. I think if they yep. throw him there, like. Um, and Zajac, like just move. a classic guy on that team. And I think the, <laughs> well, that that's just a perfect Lamorello move right there. Just fucking mm-hmm. grab Jack, grab Andy Green last year, milk New Jersey of all their, the old yeah, guys. Honors Lee's out for the rest of the season. But is that including playoffs or is that the season? I don't know. Because that, that, because Anders Lee and Palmieri on the Islanders, that's a good looking team. Yeah, the Islanders' future is screwed. No, that's that's actually that's actually a massive move. I haven't even talked about it on the page yet, but (laughs) I've been freaking in meetings all day. But I think midday. Palmieri, that makes. I think the Islanders. I don't. I still don't see the Islanders as legit cup contenders. Maybe that's (laughs) maybe that's bad, but I do see them as like. Yeah, just because they're the Islanders. <laughs> but I do see them as competitive. Like I can see Aren't them. Are they in first in their division, or like tied for first? They might be, but it's not exactly a strong division. And it's what you got Pittsburgh in there, who hasn't been too great. Washington, who hasn't. It's been good, but they're Washington's overperforming right now compared to where they should be. Their shooting percentage is way too high. Yeah, they're tied uh, with Washington. Yeah, well, Washington's going to regress. So may, this is the year they should go. Go all in for it though, like because the Islanders don't have a future right now. Like their cap situation's bad, their prospect pool has been depleted. Yep. Lamorello hasn't made many of the best draft picks, so it's probably even better that he doesn't even have this pick to waste on whatever the hell he's going to draft. <laughs> well, um, it's also a shitty draft year, likely. And it's a, yeah, it's not a good draft year, and they're going to be in the twenty, the late twenties probably. Yeah. So it, it is the year to go in. And then, so who's behind them? Who's behind Washington Islanders in the standings? Penguins. Penguins, and then who? Who's the fourth team? Bruins, of course. Bruins. Okay, yeah. And Bruins yeah, so this is the year because Bruins are, yeah, Bruins are having a bad year. They also took Palmieri, who is probably going to go to the Bruins if, mm-hmm. if the Islanders didn't get him. So they mm-hmm. stole him from. Their divisional rival, who they're gonna have to play in the playoffs. Right now, they're they're probably going to. So that's there's also talk huge. that the Bruins, like whether the Bruins should try this year. I like I think that's kind of stupid. I think they have to try because just because they're they're in the waning years of Bergeron and Marchand, so they kind of owe it to those guys to try. They ha- yeah, they have to go all in. Like they yeah. they only have. Two years left of Bergeron and Marchand at where they're at. And then Rask. Yes. Rask's gone after this year, I think. I think Rask hurt or something, is he? I don't know. Something don't wrong with Rask? Maybe. I don't know. God, I'm, might be. I'm so out of touch with injuries. But yes. um, Man, I'm pretty distracted lately. Yeah, I know. I feel like, yeah, I've been very distracted because... Yeah, he's like, on the IR. 
He's on the IR? Okay, well. Well, Halak's still a good option, but Rask is the you you want Rask in the playoffs. Yes. You don't you don't want to rely on Halak on in Yeah, the I'm not sure so. how long he's on the playoffs. Uh how long he's on the IR. Regardless, Bruins need to go all in for it, and this is a big win for the Islanders snaking Palmieri from the Bruins, which probably also helped get New Jersey a little bit more than what uh they were originally asking for. They probably got AJ Greer because of that, I would suspect. Yeah, I don't know those prospects. I are they good? No. But like AJ Greer is like a he's he's like a solid he could be like a third, you know. Like it didn't seem like a lot sure. for the trade. Yeah, it's not yeah. a lot. I think New Jersey I think they didn't get it's a flat the problem is it's a flat cap and Palmieri and Zajac, that's a fair bit of salary. The only reason the well, Islanders they retain fifty percent Anders Lee. Yeah, exactly, right? But the only reason they could even do that in the first place is because Anders Lee was out. Mm-hmm. If, if Anders Lee wasn't out, Islanders couldn't even make this move. So it's it's clearly a buyer's market right now, like everyone's been saying. Like Palmi Palmieri was the second best player on yeah, he is the second best player available in on the trade deadline market. Other than unless you're gonna include like guys like Eichel or yeah. Like the rental for pure rentals, it was Hall and him. That's it. Yes. Those are the two best players by far. And then yeah. it's like Grandland and uh Yeah. Whoever Definitely. else is a free agent. But like they got the second best guy who's been better than Hall this year so far. So they probably Who, they got the best the best uh and it seems like he fits in their system. Like Taylor Hall wouldn't fit in their system at all. Well, I mean, he would fit in their system if they played him on Barzal's line, I think. Because yeah. Barzal doesn't fit into their system other than the fact that they kind of le- just let Barzal do what he wants to do. Yes. So on occasion. put Hall and Barzal together. <laughs> Although the problem is Palmieri is definitely a better shooter than Taylor Hall is, especially this year. <laughs> especially yes. this year. Yeah. So putting him with Barzal will be huge because that's an elite shooter getting put with you know, elite, elite playmaker. So, I don't know. I like that move. That's, like, the major piece of NHL news. I don't think anything else has really happened recently. There hasn't been any trades. Nope, uh, not yet. Not yet. Deadline oh, it's the last, Monday. It's the last week, right? Deadline Monday. Monday? Yeah. It's, so like, four four days from now, five days from now? Yeah. April twelfth. Oh, right? okay. Yep. Yeah. You know who who's also on the trade board at number uh, eleven? Who? Sam Gagne, friend of the show. Sam Gagne, friend of the show. I'd like to see isn't the Leafs having, pick him up. Isn't he having a good year? He's having an insanely good year. I've actually watched mm-hmm. a couple of Detroit games because simply because Gagne's on there, and I kind of obviously like Dylan Larkin's sick as well. I wasn't really watching those Detroit games actually for Detroit. Now they say, say that loud. <laughs> watching for like Tampa, <laughs> but Sam Gagne was there. <laughs> I wonder if he gets no, moved. No. Like, I wonder if he wants to get. Uh, he probably wants to get moved. I think he signed like, a two-year deal. I might be wrong on that. Maybe he didn't. But I thought it was one. Pretty sure it was one. Maybe. Maybe okay. Maybe it was one. But. Uh, he. I think he'll get moved. I, the thing is, I I'm not sure how much value 
the league puts on Sam Gagne compared to his actual production. So that's that's probably going to be the like he's even got a steal with a deal for him. Like he's played like a three million dollar guy or a four million dollar guy this year, making yeah, almost and he's cheap. Money. And he's cheap. Yeah, so like he'd be yeah. a huge deal for anyone. Alex Iafalo, you follow, you follow. Yeah, from LA, he's a good option. He's interesting. He's interesting for a couple teams, but again, he's yes. like, he's not gonna, he's not a needle mover. He's a guy that you need for depth, can show up in your top six if you need him to. I think there'll be but, like a, a surprising team that makes tries to do something or something. Like I really the, hope there's the interesting a big team move. to me is the interesting to, team to me is what the Predators do because they were talked about as a seller and now they're in a playoff spot. And every yeah. like people around the NHL are talking about how this year you want to be a playoff team to sell tickets for next year. Like you desperately want to be a playoff team <laughs> is, for a lot is of it, these teams. Is it do you want to be a playoff team because you need to sell tickets next year, or is it you don't want to be a playoff team because you're not even going to be able to sell many tickets for the playoffs yeah. to begin with? See, I've been hearing that, and then I've thought what you just said, right? Mm-hmm. Like because it. It doesn't exactly make sense because I think you're going to sell tickets next year no matter what because people think, are going to want to fucking go to hockey games. Yeah, I think people are just going to want to go do anything. <laughs> like, exactly. Just, so you're going like, to sell tickets. Maybe you about... won't. Like season tickets are what's the bigger deal to teams. So maybe you sell yeah. more of those if you make the playoffs. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, does does that really move the needle if they get into the playoffs and lose in the first round? <laughs> I don't, yeah, I don't know. I'm skeptical. I don't know. I'm skeptical, but I'm also skeptical about how smart the average fan is. So they went, they see their team in the playoffs, and they're like, "Ah, they're good." Yeah, yeah, maybe. <laughs> Na- Nashville, the like, oh, Nashville's difficult because if they if they trade at home, they're they're done. Yeah, you know. Like they're they're not Nashville's not that difficult because they don't have to do anything right now. Yeah, they can stay they can stay the course. But staying the course they have means one a first year round left exit. on all these guys. Do they? Yeah. Except for like Ekholm, one or two. Forsberg. Is it Victor Arvison is signed? Mm-hmm. Um Yosi's obviously signed. Ryan Ellis is signed. So it's really those two big guys, Forsberg and Ekholm, and Pecorino, I think. They all have one more year. Yeah. Like Is Forsberg anyone else that I'm missing there? Granlin's their one UFA. I oh, think. Granlin, he's like they're UFA. Big, yeah. They're, they're big. Yeah. Well, but they Forsberg, could trade him and probably extend. still. Yes. They, they, unless you're doing a complete rebuild, you need to extend Forsberg. Um, but. I mean, if even if they. Don't do a rebuild. They almost need to re-sign with Forsberg <laughs> because who the hell? Who's gonna sell tickets in Nashville if you don't have Forsberg? Roman Yosi, I guess. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Dushan, that uh, isn't really selling tickets. Ryan Johansson nowadays isn't selling tickets. Forsberg no. is the one that does all the cool stuff. Him and Yosi, those are the only two entertaining guys on the Predators. Honestly, I want the Blackhawks in over them though, so I think they should destroy. <laughs> Why do you want the Blackhawks in? I want I want the Blackhawks to do a quick turnaround. I want to see Tave uh, if Taves ever comes back, but I want to see Kane competing again. 
because I think that would be a cool story. Right. He won like they had like the dynasty for a couple five years, and then they died, Ooh. and then and then Ooh. they had a quick overhaul. <laughs> That'd be sick. That's Chicago like, that needs to suck that. for the next decade. It's called karma. <laughs> like our previous guest just said, karma. You were good, now you're bad. That's how karma works. <laughs> That's not how karma works at all. That's actually not karma at all, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> That's wrong karma. Eric's, Eric's giving you wrong advice. Um, <laughs> but, but like, why? Blackhawks deserve to suck now. Become Detroit. Because that, because that's Detroit. Just a cool. Just that's just a cool story. If they can do that, they can. Right. Although they, they tried can. to kind of do that and this year. They're doing things well. Well, they tried to do it this year, and then all of a sudden they actually had a good goalie, and they didn't suck as much as anyone thought. It's mm-hmm. actually very easy not to suck in the NHL. That's my conclusion. That's my conclusion out of all this. It's very easy to not completely suck. If your name's all you need to, yeah, like all you need to do to not completely suck is just get at least like your bottom half of your roster with replacement level guys. If you can get guys can, that are actual NHL players in your bottom six and your bottom two pairings, and then you have like a star or two, you're you should be able to coast into the middle, like the twenties. Like Minnesota did forever. Yeah, done. well, like Minnesota, at least they had quality, and then they are just like middling playoff team. But to not to completely suck, to be like twenty third instead of thirty first, all you need to do is just have not oh. AHL guys in your bottom six and your bottom two defense pairs. But Buffalo's failed to do that. Detroit didn't fail to do that. They purposely did that so that they can show up in last and get a bunch of high picks. Ottawa's kind of done that, but I mean, they're close. How close are they to Montreal right now in the standings? Like five points away or something ridiculous? Six not points Montreal. away? Not Montreal. Montreal is 13 points ahead of them. It's Vancouver. Oh, who was it? Oh, Calgary. Vancouver. Sorry. Yeah. Vancouver and They're They're sorry, only five Calgary. points behind Vancouver and Calgary. Yeah. So, right. So, there you go. Right. So, and Ottawa's, they're, Ottawa's bringing in a bunch of young guys. So, it's expected that they're not going to be necessarily mm-hmm. full NHLers yet. So that's fine on their side. But to not completely suck like Buffalo, all you need to do is just bring in a bunch of guys that can just play in the NHL. But oh, and that's what Chicago Hoff- did. They have guys. Hoffman just got healthy scratched in St. Louis. Oh yeah, he, uh, he he's an interesting trade target too because he hasn't worked out there. He has no. not been good in St. Louis at all. No. Not well, St. Louis, St. Louis, we haven't talked about this on the podcast at all, but St. Louis has been terrible. St. Louis like, has been, been real bad. They've just not been a good team, like at anything. It, Bennington's been he hasn't ass. been terrible. He has 22 points in 36 games. The big that, thing is he's not that's scoring. Not that's not he, good. He only has seven goals. Exactly. Like, that's, that's the thing, bad. though. Like Hoffman's only value comes from goals. He doesn't drive play. Mm-hmm. He's awful mm-hmm. defensively. The only thing man, he puts up some good assists. Oh no, no, no. Points. Sorry, sorry. I was looking at the wrong stat. Nine goals. He has nine goals. That's but no, that's not, not that's good. still not but that's still not good. And he only has twenty one yeah. points. <laughs> yeah. So. so that that's just not good. And all of St. Louis has been bad. Bennington, he's been like a complete disaster this year. Just one of the worst goalies in the league. 
going and trying to fight like groups of San Jose players all at once, and then like throwing hissy fits every single night. Was it? And was it just this year that he signed his contract, or was that last year? He signed it this year, that five year yeah. deal. He just he signed it like a couple weeks ago, dude. Yeah, they, that's they, what they, they saw the season he was having, and they're like, "I'm gonna lock this down for five." Years. <laughs> <laughs> like, keep telling me GMs are so much smarter than the average fan when they do shit like that. <laughs> oh my God. Fucking ridiculous, oh, man. But that is that's insane. Yeah, it was just bad, and it's gonna look like a Martin Jones contract. That's what. That's, yes probably what it's going to end up looking like just it already disaster. does <laughs> yeah well it, it already is starting to and i don't think krug's work out worked out there very well like i think he's been fine but i don't think uh i don't think krug hasn't replaced petrangelo is what i should say that was which isn't fair though. to him yeah that that isn't fair to him he shouldn't have to they paid him mm-hmm. like he should almost but mm-hmm. he shouldn't have had to well that's what you do in free agency well, I mean, but they could have signed Petrangelo for what, like a million dollars more, or like one point five million dollars more. Like, come on. Um, yeah. but anyways, and then Falk's been had a good season. Ryan O'Reilly's been good as always. It's really their goaltending that's let them down, and then you know the defense. Pareko hasn't been very good this year. I don't know what the hell happened to Pareko, but two years ago in that cups, you forgot. They forgot their cup how to run, play hockey. He's that's forgot, always weird. He's literally forgotten. He was like, yeah. he was like, I'd argue he was performing like a top 10 defenseman for like a year and a half. Like he was insanely good. And then just two years of nothing. Okay. To get, to get off St. Louis for a second, I want to talk mm-hmm. about, because this reminded, talking about Pareko forgetting how to play hockey, remind me of the people commenting on that Jack Eichel thing. That Jack Eichel post you just posted today mm-hmm. about the trade. Oh my god! How many people thought that was a good trade for uh, Buffalo? Was the Ryan astounding. O'Reilly one? No, no. no. Oh, sorry, sorry, Jack, sorry. The uh, sorry, the uh, I uh, I'm responsible. The Jack Hughes, Nico Hishier for Rasmus Dahlin and Jack Eichel trade. Yeah, that was yeah. astounding. The amount yeah, of people that thought astounding. it was a good deal for new jersey or they thought it was a good deal for buffalo for buffalo yeah i mean the thing is right if you if people keep thinking dolling's a bust then it is a good deal right because you're getting two no it depends how good you think jack hughes is like people people are underestimating jack eichel right now like definitely underestimating the ability of jack eichel yeah, it's, it's like suddenly over it, it three three months of Jack Eichel not being as good as he was like literally six months or a year ago. Now yeah. is like people have forgotten that Jack Eichel was literally a top ten center, almost a top five center last year. Mm-hmm. Like, what are his he was a underlying hard numbers? What are his underlying numbers? Like are not they that great, bad? Not great. Not great this oh. year. But like a lot of it's just shooting percentage. Okay. A lot of it's literally just like he just can't get the puck in the net him and taylor hall and victor olofsson and everyone else on buffalo just can't you want score. you want to talk about karma i i feel like buffalo is getting karma for tanking for jack eichel so so blatantly <laughs> <laughs> they're being punished <laughs> i mean yeah i, I mean it's, it's late karma but it's karma <laughs> 
they late karma. The what do you mean late karma? They've they've sucked since they've done it. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> but Jack Jack Eichel, and he didn't fix their team. Had, it's five years later. He hasn't fixed he, shit. He had a legitimate case for a heart nomination last year. Oh, for sure. I think we can. No, agree with you that. cannot. You cannot write off Jack Eichel. This is that narrative. This is, it's is getting r- ridiculous. Ridiculous. Yes. Yeah. And Eichel's going to be better than Hughes. He's going to be better than his year. I don't have yes. many doubts about that. Though Hughes, I Hughes looks sick, but I don't think he's going to be as good as Eichel. And and, he, and then, but then it comes down to do you, what do you think the difference is between Hishie and Dalian? That's tough. I think that's a little bit closer than you might want to give it credit for at this point, considering Buffalo's ruined him. Hishier is good. I don't. I don't think Hishier is number one. Dalian's not dead? dead. You don't count. count yeah, that, Kids had exactly. like two fifty-point seasons in his first. He's he's still fucking twenty years old. Like <laughs> he's he's twenty-one now, right? Or is he? He's 20 turning still? twenty-one in four days. Okay, no, so he's five, yeah, he's twenty. My math is terrible. Six days. <laughs> so four days when this podcast is released. Um, yes. <laughs> Yeah, so that's oh man, that's hard to like think about a guy like uh Sedeno Chara. He but, he was on the Sens yeah. and he was not elite, he was good, not elite. Like Rasmus Dahlin is still a NHL defenseman, like maybe not a great one, but he still could, yeah. he, he still belongs in the NHL. So, and that like. Chara really didn't explode as a player until he reached Boston, which was like way late into his career. Yeah, but that's Not- also a rare example. But but you are right. Most defensemen don't even get yeah, into the, the NHL until they're 21, 22, 23. But that's, the narrative around defensemen is they don't get sick until like later. Like It's like 300 later, games, like, I think like, it's yeah. usually – like think about Ekblad. He's been in the league forever, and this year he's and finally he only really putting broke up a normal like, caliber year. Yeah, this year and almost and kind of last year, I think that's when he find and that's four years in, five years in. Mm-hmm. Oh no, wait, no, like, no, twenty fourteen, six years in. Yes, six years in, he finally became that number one guy. So yeah, but think about it. He, him and him and Darlene are very comparable because like. They both had pretty good rookie years, so they were looking good, but they kind of regressed. And then, mm-hmm. who knows? Darlene the question and- is, the question isn't will Darlene rebound. The question is which team can actually develop him properly and fix him. Oh, I think right? Buffalo because- is just a full mess. Like, but exactly right. Like, if he stays with Buffalo for another two years, does he does he get fixed? No. <laughs> or, or is Probably he ruining not. his career and he needs to ask for a trade in the by this off season because otherwise, you know, you, you're put as an NHL player, you're putting so much trust into your team. Yes. So much trust. Like the, yep. his first four years of his, your career are the most important years because that's your development time. By the time you're 26, you are who you are for most players, for 95% of players, 98% of players. You are who you are at 26. You are who you are at 25. You almost are who you are who you are at 24 almost for a lot of guys too. So it's like, 
He's 20, turning 21 now. He has another two years, three years. And then at that point, he is who he is. And we we can't care about he was a first overall pick anymore. No. But you still can say it now. <laughs> I mean, <clears throat> I but I don't even think you need to say it now. Who cares if he was a first round pick? He had 40... He had a 40-point pace his first year. He had a 50-point pace his second year. Mm-hmm. He was showing the development. And then this year, just a complete disaster everywhere. Like, it is interesting to see like here. how how <coughs> bad this year is on players. Like how many rebound seasons will we have next year? Oh, so with, many. With a more normal if it's more normal. Backs. <clears throat> we don't even know the impacts that a lot of players have had COVID. Mm-hmm. Even if they got healthy again, are they at 80%, 90%? Nikita Gusev has been very bad this year. Like, very bad. But he also had COVID. He was out for a while because he was sick. Like, do you not? I full. I have no doubt that he, he's, still, he's still dealing with the symptoms of COVID. Like, I know people... That like their brain are, brains are just foggy for like months. Like, they're just mm-hmm. like they just can't think and focus. Like if you can't focus as an NHL player, mm-hmm. think that's going to impact your performance. So there's going to be a bunch Definitely. of guys that are going to rebound next year, but there's also going to be maybe a few guys that never rebound. <laughs> Possibly, which is kind of hor- horrific and awful to say. But you know they they're because Possibly. of COVID, their careers might be over realistically. Like. Marco Rossi, man. Marco Rossi's lost the last year of his career. He's young. He's very young. But he he it, lost a year of development at 18. It happened it happens with out COVID though, too. Um mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, oh yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Brian Brian Myers is talking about, right? Like a large mm-hmm. large part of getting the NHL is luck. Mm-hmm. Avoiding injury. Marco Rossi mm-hmm. You know, the likelihood of him becoming an NHL player has dropped since the draft. Definitely. For sure. Definitely. For sure, because he lost a, a – first off, when you're 18 years old, that's a critical year of development. You lose a year at 26, you know, you're not really developing anymore. 18, that's a huge development year. And then whatever long-term impacts come from this, shortness of breath, lung capacity, focus, whatever, whatever it is, I don't know. Million different side effects to COVID. Oh, it sucks. Because Marco Rossi had a chance to be the best player from that draft, or at least one of the best players from that draft. Oh, I'm Anyways. thinking about it. it's my house, man. <laughs> yeah, so we'll let it go. Thank you so much for listening to the Talking Hockey podcast. Thank you, Brad Myers, again for coming on. Thank you, everyone, for tuning into this week's episode. We love and appreciate each listener that sticks around to the end. With that comes reminders to leave a review, press follow on those streaming platforms, and make sure to head over to Instagram to follow Talking Hockey. We're on the road to 30K, and we can't wait to continue to build our audience. Luke, Eric, Ty, and Martin signing off. We'll see you all next week.